I want you to turn in your Bible over to Ephesians chapter 2 is where we'll begin. Trojan horses in the church. Last week we began this series and of course the story of Trojan horse and what that's all about. I'm not going to repeat that. I am so pressed for time today to be on track, exact, as close as I can with everything. I don't want to repeat it. I do want to encourage you, though, if you were not here last week, as we started the series, there are some foundational things that you need to hear from last week. The first Trojan horse we covered is this hideous theology called Calvinism, and um, we do not believe in that. People say, well, aren't you, well, you must be Arminian. No, we're not Arminian. Well, you must be a Calvinist. No, we're not a Calvinist. We're not Calvinists. What are you? Well, we're Biblicists. Neither position is the right one because both of them are focused on works for salvation, even though they deny that. But when we covered Calvinism last week, we know that the last letter in the TULIP, which is their acronym for their theology, is the perseverance of the saints. And the perseverance of the saints is, in fact, lordship salvation. And so that is what we are looking at today. I'm going to be quoting people today. The, the sheet you have is packed with information, that handout that I gave you. That contains the quotes I am going to give you today. I could have given you dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens more. Obviously, there's no time for that. They'll also be on the screen above my head. I want you to see later on as we get into quotes from people who teach Lordship Salvation. Remember this, and I'll say it again when we get there. I'm not accusing them of saying this. These are quotes from their books. And by the way, all of them in context, because the context of the quotes is this very issue we're covering. So it's what they believe about this, okay, issue. So keep that in mind. Now, today we're talking about lordship salvation. Last week, we talked about the Trojan horse of Calvinism and the perseverance of the saints. In other words, what that means, the perseverance of the saints is this. It doesn't mean that God keeps you saved. That's not the perseverance of the saints so much as what the perseverance of the saints means is that if you are saved, you will persevere and live a faithful life until you go to be with the Lord. That is the theology. And if you don't live a faithful life, you aren't saved. You were never saved and you won't go to heaven when you die. That is what the perseverance of the saints is according to Calvinism. And this leads us to our second Trojan horse, which again is called Lordship Salvation. Lordship Salvation is also known as Discipleship Salvation. Discipleship Salvation. It sounds good and right on the surface to many people, but leads to no assurance of salvation. No assurance of salvation. In other words, if, if you believe lordship salvation truly, if you believe Calvinism, you will come to the conclusion that you really can't know for sure where you're going when you die. As a matter of fact, very famous Calvinists believe this, preached it, that you can't know until you are on your deathbed and you die in the faith that you're actually going to heaven. Now, the reason is, is because they're looking at their own faithfulness and steadfastness and not looking at what Jesus Christ did on the cross. The Bible is clear. You can know that you have eternal life if you put your faith in Christ. We'll see that in just a few minutes. 
But this lordship salvation leads to much confusion. Here's what they believe. It is not only faith in Christ, but living a life surrendered to the lordship of Christ and also obedience to him that secures your salvation. You not only have to believe in Christ, but you also must follow Christ if you're going to get to heaven. So it's not enough to believe in Christ. You also must follow Christ. Now, by the way, we have an entire book in the New Testament dedicated to dealing with that. It's called the book of Galatians. And it deals with lordship salvation. Oh, it wasn't called that back then, but that is what it deals with. In other words, if you don't follow Christ and live for him, you're not a Christian and therefore you won't go to heaven. Now, I could read you one email after another after another of folks who over the years have been tortured by Lordship Salvation. And when they saw the gospel as the gospel truly is, all by grace, apart from works, they were freed. And let me tell you something, folks. People who have lived under the bondage of Lordship Salvation, when they see the grace of God as the only source of salvation, they become incredibly loyal, passionate people for the gospel. Here's the point. Words matter. Too often, people dismiss things by saying that, well, everyone's saying the same thing, but they're just expressing it differently. Listen to me. No, they're not. They are not expressing it differently. They mean something different than what we mean. If you are courageous enough to drill down and ask questions and open an honest conversation, you will find that you're not saying the same thing. They're not only not saying the same thing, but they do not mean the same thing either. I took you to Ephesians chapter two. You might say, well, we're going to verses eight and nine. We're gonna go further than verses eight, eight and nine, but we are covering that. Look at it with me. Here's how a person is saved. You want to know how to go to heaven? Here it is. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is salvation is the gift of God. Verse nine, not of works, lest any man should boast. How are you saved? By grace through faith. Faith in what? Faith in who? up here, this hand representing you and me and my wallet representing our sin. We're all sinners. We all come into the world. We're sinners. Okay. To get to heaven, you have to be sinless. None of us are. We're sinners. Therefore, we are disqualified. No matter how hard you work, you will never make it to heaven because your sins, it isn't an issue of covering them up with good works. It's an issue of getting your sins taken away, getting your sins forgiven. If we die with our sin, if we don't have a payment, if we don't accept the payment God provided for our sin, we'll spend forever separated from God in hell. The last verse we'll cover today is Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because there's nothing we can do, because you notice, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's not something you can do. It is the gift of God. Gifts cost us nothing. They're provided by the giver not of works. Do you see verse nine? Not of works, lest any man should boast. Because there's nothing we could do to save ourselves, God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Jesus came into the world, lived the perfect life. He went to the cross. And when he died on the cross, he took my sin and your sin upon himself. He made the complete payment for all sin of all time, leaving us nothing to pay for. He rose from the grave to prove it was done, to prove his payment was sufficient. And he says, all who believe, all who put their faith, their trust in him, receive eternal life. They are saved by God's unmerited, undeserved favor. That's what grace is. So the only way you can be saved is by grace, and it's only through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, not of works, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, people say, that's all you people believe. Oh, no, we believe verse 10. But have you read verse 10 carefully? It says, for we are his workmanship, that's the product made, that's what a workmanship is, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Wait a minute, I thought you said we're not saved by good works. We're not saved by good works. We're saved for good works, which God hath before ordained that we, here's the key word, should, should walk in them. We'll see right there, it says that if you're saved, you'll live for Christ. No, it doesn't say that. Now, it's very interesting. We believe that once you've trusted Christ as Savior, should you live a a godly Christian life as a Christian? Absolutely, we believe that. We don't believe it it is good to put your faith in Christ and then think, well, I'm just gonna go live in sin. Now, I personally don't know anybody who's ever done it, but I'm not saying there aren't some who may. Here's the point though, friend. Whether you live godly or ungodly, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, he gives you eternal life because getting to heaven's not based on how you live. It's based on what he did for you on Calvary. For by grace are you saved, God's unmerited favor. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. That's how you live is of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Works are how you live your life. You either live a life of bad works or good works and God says you're not saved by your works. So then why do people object to the message of the gospel found in verses eight and nine? When we preach Ephesians 2, 8, 9, people say, that's not all of it. You've got to live a godly life too. Well, friend, Why do they object to the message of the gospel found in verses 8 and 9? It is because they are adding works to faith in Christ for salvation. That's why they object to verses 8 and 9. That's why when we give it, people say, I can't accept that. It's because they believe to some extent works have a part in saving them. They do not believe that you can go to heaven by simply trusting in Jesus Christ as Savior. And then once you do, you are eternally secure and you cannot be lost again no matter what. They do not believe that salvation is a gift. Let me say that again. They do not believe that salvation is a gift. They believe salvation is a bilateral contract. In other words, okay, God says, in their mind, God says, sign up here. If you promise to live a godly life, do your best, be faithful, I'll save you. Sign on the line. That's not what the Bible says. It isn't God promises to save me if I promise to do my best. And that is what people are saying the gospel is today. God will save me if I promise to do my best. That's you're adding your works. You're adding your merit, your performance to what Jesus did on the cross. 
This is not salvation. As a matter of fact, they are changing the truth of verse 10 completely. I say, yeah, what about verse 10? It says, if you're saved, you'll live for Christ. Look at what it says in verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus on two good works, which God hath before ordained that we, what's the next word? Should walk in them. Do I believe as a pastor that we should walk in good works once we're saved? Yes. But it doesn't say that we will. That's Calvinism. That's lordship salvation. It doesn't say that we must. That's legalism. That's pure works for salvation. It says we should. We should because should is the only word that would go along with the concept of God's grace. And grace provides freely the gift of eternal life. And friend, whenever you change should to either will or must, you're adding works to the gospel. This is why people object because they read verse 10 as will or must instead of should. So let's define something. Let's define the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, the gospel is the message through which we're saved. 1 Corinthians 15, 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, wherein ye stand. Verse 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that, here you go, Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The gospel is good news. And what is it? That Christ died for our sins. So I don't have to. That's the good news. Jesus died for my sins. So I don't have to. Not Jesus died for my sins. Uh, uh, he did his part. Now I do mine. No, no. He did it all when he died on the cross. The definition of the gospel is Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He's God in the flesh who came and made the complete payment for my sin, leaving me nothing to pay for. Are you sure of that? Yes. How do you know that? Because the father raised him from the dead. Romans 4.25, he was raised for our justification. And what's the biblical response to the gospel? Number two, the biblical response to the gospel? Well, there's only one plan of salvation and one condition for receiving salvation. You know what it is? It is faith in Jesus Christ. When you understand you are a sinner who cannot save yourself, you understand you're facing an eternity in hell and there's nothing you can do to save yourself and you put your faith in Jesus Christ and him alone as your savior. God saves you forever that very moment. Romans 1.16, turn there with me. Paul said this, and by the way, remember he's the one who defined the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15. It says in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Notice he didn't say the message is about salvation. Words matter, words matter. The gospel, that's singular. There's only one. There's only one message of good news. If you have to perform or be faithful, that's not good news because at any time you could fail and then when you die, you'll burn forever in hell. But the fact that Jesus did it all and when you put your faith in him, he saves you and he saves you forever, that's good news. I may fail, he never fails. I will fail. He never fails. The biblical response to the gospel, Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, 
is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Do you see anything else as a condition in verse 16? No, believing is the only one. People say, what about repentance? What about repentance? Repentance means a change of mind. Earlier I said, when you understand that you are lost, there's nothing you could do to save yourself. Your works can't save you. You're facing an eternity in hell. And you understand what Christ has done. You put your faith in Christ. Guess what you've done? You've repented. You've had a change of mind. That's what it is. It's not reformation of life. Because reformation of life, you're back to you performing, doing good works, so that you don't go to hell. Listen, you don't go to hell because you're bad. You don't go to heaven because you're good. John 3, 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Let me show you a couple other verses here. These are so important to understand. Please look at them with me. John chapter six and verse 47. Men may argue, men may disagree. I think everybody would agree what Jesus has to say is the bottom line. Amen? You with me on that? Okay. John 6, 47. Here's what Jesus said. I get so excited about this, I'm going to shake. <laughs> Let me tell you something, friend. If you get verse 47, you get it all. Verily, verily, that means truly, truly. Jesus is saying it. I say unto you, he that believeth on me, hath, hath means possesses right now, everlasting life. Look at verse 47. He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Is that true or not? Okay, here's the issue. People say, well, that is part of it, but you also, wait a minute. Jesus said it's enough. Jesus said, God Not a a preacher who's flawed, who can make mistakes. God says it is enough to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And when you do, the moment you do, he gives you everlasting life. That means it never stops. That means you're eternally secure. That means you're going to heaven no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. Now, a far second from Jesus was Paul, but we have high respect for Paul, right? In Acts 16, 31, the Philippian jailer came in, fell down. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Back to John 6, 47 though. Jesus said that. When a person comes along and says, well, that's part of what you have to do. Wait a minute, that's not what Jesus said. Was Jesus incompetent in how he communicated? He said what he meant and he meant what he said. Now here's the point. Are these verses true or not? Obviously they are, but those who believe in lordship salvation or the perseverance of the saints, in fact, disagree with those two verses because they say there's more to it than faith in Christ. That's that easy believism stuff. Well, friends, you are accusing Jesus then of that. Here's a vital point. Now remember, I already said we believe in living godly lives around here, but in its proper place after you're saved. Here's the vital point. If believing in Jesus Christ as your savior gives you everlasting life that moment, as Jesus said it does, then adding anything to that 
must be a false message because I am already saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? When I trusted Jesus Christ as my savior, he gave me that moment forever, everlasting life. For anybody to come along and say then, oh, no, no, you also have to do this. That must be false because I'm already saved. I'm already saved. Don't tell me I have to do something else. I'm saved. Jesus said so. You gonna call him a liar? This is huge. Well, I don't think it, no, listen, it is the difference between heaven and hell. It is. Ephesians 1.13, in whom ye also trusted, referring to Jesus. After that, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? In whom you also trusted after you heard the gospel. Why? Because the gospel says, put your faith in Christ, whosoever believeth. In whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So when you believed, upon believing, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. How long? Till the day of redemption. That means until Jesus takes you home, you're sealed. See, we fail, but he doesn't fail. Let me show you another one here, 1 John 5.13. You need to see this. I hope you brought your Bible today, 1 John 5.13. It says this, this is completely contrary to lordship salvation. This is completely contrary to Calvinism. Verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, Jesus' name, Jesus, Jehovah is salvation. You're putting your faith in him that he is God who is the way to heaven. He's the way of salvation. He'll save you. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Don't you ever listen to a preacher who says you can't know you're going to heaven. God says you can know. Verse 13, you can know. Well, don't you think Christians ought to live right? Yes, I've said that three times now. But that doesn't get you to heaven. It doesn't even prove you're saved because there's times when you aren't going to do the right thing. So then are you lost when you find yourself sinning or lusting or having pride or envy? You know, we want to, we always want to categorize sin as, you know, smoking, drinking, chewing, going with those who do, uh, you know, pornography, all these other things. Uh, But you know what? We always, uh, all the outward ones, all the outward ones. What about the inward sins that we commit? What about lust? What about envy? What about idolatry? Idolatry is loving anything more than God at any given time. That's idolatry. Oh, I don't know if I just, I don't know if I agree with that. You don't agree with it because you're convicted by the truth of it. Sin is sin. Catholics, by the way, have it all wrong. There is no such thing as venial sin and mortal sin. It's all sin. Yeah, it's like saying, why? Well, I, I think white lies are okay. No, friend, you tell white lies, it won't be long till you're colorblind. All lies are lies. Here's the point, though. It's not based on what you do. It's based on who you believe in. And when you put your faith in Christ, God has given us a written guarantee in scripture that you can know that you have eternal life. The night I got saved, I walked out of that meeting and I knew I was going to heaven when I died. I knew it. Raised 19 years in the Roman Catholic church and because of the power of the gospel, I knew I was going to heaven because the Bible gave me a written guarantee. And that's there for anyone Romans 4, 5, but to him that worketh not. You don't do anything. 
but believeth on him, Jesus, who justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. What does God count for righteousness? Not our works, not our performance, not our living, regardless of how sincere we are. It is faith in Christ. That's when God gives you his righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness. Look at this word without works. Verses five and six, you don't do works, but you put your faith in Christ. And you not only just put your faith in Christ, he makes it clear in verse six, it's God gives you his righteousness without you doing any works. Well, if I have his righteousness, eternal life, related to that, then when you come along and add anything to it, you are perverting, you are polluting God's way of salvation. Look with me to Galatians chapter three. Now here you go. And here's a beautiful definition in the book of Galatians of lordship salvation, even though it's not called that. Galatians 3, 2. This only would I learn of you, received ye the spirit by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith. Obvious answer is faith, right? That's what he's getting at. Now watch verse three. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit by faith, are you now made perfect by the flesh, by works? Is what he's saying. The answer to that is obviously no, you're not. If you've begun in the spirit, that's it. You're in the spirit. You're sealed with the spirit. You're going to heaven when you die. Your works are not going to improve on that. By the way, I had a whole list of verses here. I cut a bunch of them out because of time. Follow your cross-references in your Bible. With that in mind, I am coming into a part of this message that is a controversial thing. Most preachers won't do what I'm about to do. And I'm not saying, look at me, look at me. I'm not the only one who will do this. It's important for you, though, in this series, Trojan Horses in the Church Today, it's important to you to know who's trying to wheel the Trojan horse into the church. These are not the only two. I'm only quoting two men simply because of time. I could give you quote after quote after quote. If you want more, by the way, get my book, Secure Forever, God's Promise or Our Perseverance, in our resource center. And there's more quotes. These are from that book, which are from the actual quotes. The reason I say that is this. We are going to look at the actual words of those who believe in lordship salvation. When I read them, people will say, I thought that person believes salvation simply by faith in Christ. Many people will respond that way. But I'm telling you, that isn't what they believe. And you can do your research and you can find it out. So we're going to look at the actual words of those who believe in lordship salvation. I have used many of them before because they're clear. They clearly state their position. I'm going to project the words on the screen. Remember, I am quoting them. If you're a fan of one of these preachers that I'm going to quote today, don't get mad at me. Listen, this is nothing personal. Nothing personal. I don't know these men personally. I've watched them before. They seem like nice people so to speak, okay? I don't know him personally. This is nothing personal. We are dealing with the teaching, not the individual themselves. Now, yeah, they're the teacher. They're responsible, and so I'm quoting them, but I'm quoting them. Do we get it? I'm quoting them. So don't get mad at me. Get mad at them. 
or get mad at yourself for being deceived. The first one is John Piper. Whoa, oh, wait a minute. He's a Minnesota boy. You don't talk about John Piper. Well, we need to. John Piper and his staff, look at the quote. Quote, this is straight from him. We mean that the saints will and must persevere in the obedience which comes from faith. See, that's how they get around it. They say, God will give you what you need so that you can perform and live a life of good works and make it there by your works. Do you see how deceptive this is? It's still putting it on you. It's just kind of like uh, righteousness laundering or something. We mean that the saints will and must persevere in the obedience which comes from faith. Election is unconditional. Remember, he's a Calvinist. That's why he's saying that. Election is unconditional, but glorification is not. In other words, election is unconditional, but glorification is not. So that sounds to me like you can lose your salvation. I don't know how else you take that. Anyways, there are many warnings in Scripture that those who do not hold fast to Christ can be lost in the end. He continues, quote, Nevertheless, we must also own up to the fact that our final salvation, means you finally make it, our final salvation is made contingent upon the subsequent obedience which comes from faith. Subsequent obedience. You have to obey. And God will give you what you need to obey, but you have to obey if you plan on making it there. And by the way, there is the, I gave you the information and you've got it on your handout today. All right, as well. You can look it up on your own. I'm not making it up and I'm not, but you know, the first thing people say when you say something like this, he's taking it out of context. I'm not taking it out of context. The article is about this very thing. This is what he's saying. You can check it out. Here's another one from John Piper. Quote, no Christian can be sure he is a true believer. Hence, there is an ongoing need to be dedicated to the Lord and deny ourselves so that we might make it. Unquote. That is works for salvation. Here's another one, John MacArthur. Oh boy, don't say anything about MacArthur. no. We don't take pleasure in this, folks. Now listen, John MacArthur, he'll speak out against some things and he's excellent on many things. I give him credit and that's part of his popularity. But when it comes to the way to heaven, which is the most important of all, he is off base. He says this, quote, and I can give you so many. By the way, if you doubt anything I say on this, get his book called Hard to Believe. Well, you're gonna have to buy it. His book, Hard to Believe, or his book, The Gospel According to Jesus, both of them are full of works for salvation. John MacArthur, quote, any doctrine of eternal security that leaves out perseverance, in other words, you persevering, you being faithful, distorts the doctrine of salvation itself, unquote. That is a complete contradiction of what we saw in Romans. It is a complete contradiction of what Jesus said. Jesus didn't talk about our perseverance. He talked about faith in him, and when we put our faith in him, he gives us that moment, everlasting life. Done, over, yours forever. And he's saying, no, no, you have to persevere. 
Here's a major point. Why does he keep saying this? It's over and over in his books. Why does he keep? Here's the reason. Because John MacArthur sees being a disciple as the same thing as getting saved. This is what it is. You read his books. He's sincere in what he believes. But he defines being a disciple as the same as being a Christian. He does not believe you can be a Christian and not be a disciple. In other words, it is faith in Christ and following him in the way you live your life that gets you to heaven. That is what he believes. No, a disciple, the simple word disciple means a learner. That's all it means. You learn the teaching of another. Whether you're going to follow that teaching has nothing to do with whether you're going to go to heaven, okay? Going to heaven is trusting in Christ as your way, as your Savior. But this is why he says what he does. In the same article, MacArthur calls, he calls lordship salvation, quote, working faith salvation. Do you see what's being added to faith? Works. Faith is not enough. You also must work. Working faith salvation. This is clearly mixing works with faith. However, he sees the doctrine of perseverance clearly for what it is, lordship salvation. He states, and I quote, lordship salvation is nothing other than the doctrine of perseverance. Same thing. To say that you will or must persevere is to say that you must be faithful, folks, and do good works. If you look at perseverance rationally, you will come up with the conclusion that faith in Christ is not enough. If you look at perseverance, that's what you would come up with as a conclusion. Yet the Bible says faith in Christ is enough. Who are you going to believe? MacArthur also teaches that Jesus, in his encounter with the rich young ruler, and I like the account in in Mark chapter 10 because it's more revealing than the others, MacArthur also believes and teaches that Jesus is his, and this is, by the way, this is right out of his book. He says that his encounter with the rich young ruler, which was actually, he believes the encounter Jesus had with the rich young ruler was actually telling the ruler what he needed to do to go to heaven. In other words, he doesn't believe, MacArthur doesn't believe that the Lord Jesus Christ was testing the ruler to get him to see his need for salvation And by the way, that is biblically accurate. According to Mark 10, 24, it says the rich young ruler was trusting in his riches. Jesus was trying to get him to see that his riches aren't going to get him there. MacArthur says, no, Jesus was telling him what he needed to do to get there, which is, well, listen up. Quote, the young ruler wanted Jesus to show him how to have eternal life, but Jesus told him the price to have it was giving up his illusion of self-righteousness, recognizing himself rather as an unworthy, wretched sinner. And he needed to be willing to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, even if it meant he had to give up all his earthly possessions. He might not ask, but the requirement for eternal life Now, what did Jesus say it was? Faith. MacArthur says the requirement for eternal life is the willingness to give up all if he does. In other words, if Jesus does ask you to do that, that is a requirement to you being saved, unquote. You notice he said Jesus told him that the price was giving up. Price? Wait a minute. The Bible says salvation's a gift. 
The Bible doesn't say you pay a price to get saved. It says Jesus paid the price. This is a false gospel. It's false. MacArthur believes it's a contract. MacArthur is clearly saying that there is a price to be paid. Is this not contradictory to what Jesus said when he hung on the cross and he said it is finished, which is an accounting term for paid in full. He paid the price. That's why he offers it to us as a gift. He continues, MacArthur continues, quote, the young man wouldn't do either admit his sin or deny himself. He had no interest in self-denial, self-sacrifice, or submission. Therefore, he was unworthy to be Jesus' disciple in MacArthur's mind. That means salvation. And he himself shut the door to the kingdom of salvation. Do you see it? It's a false gospel. He goes on. If we're not willing to separate from our families separate from the world, separate from the material things that we possess, then Jesus isn't that valuable to us. It's an all or nothing proposition. So basically, you have to be totally dedicated as a Christian if you're going to make it, or else you're not making it. You're not really a Christian. That's what he's saying. Notice that the emphasis is on what we have to do, work out, or deny. This is simply false as it pertains to salvation. Furthermore, being a child of God and being a disciple are not one and the same. Being a child of God is through simple faith in Christ. Over and over and over and over it says it. The Gospel of John, 98 times, faith is the only condition. Becoming a child of God requires faith. Being a disciple requires sacrifice. You see, folks, there are many people who have put their faith in Christ and are Christians, But there aren't nearly as many believers who are living lives of discipleship as they should. Should? Yes, they should. But is that a requirement to get to heaven? The Bible says no. MacArthur says yes. He states, and I quote, the thought is that if you want to be Christ's disciple and receive forgiveness and eternal life, do you see how he mixes them? You must refuse to associate any longer with the person you are. Now, I'm not sure how you get away from yourself. You are sick of your sinful self and want nothing to do with you anymore. And it may mean not just you, but your family, unquote. Folks, this is outrageous. Do I really have to quit associating with my family if I want to receive the forgiveness of sins and eternal life? You see how erroneous this is? Again, this is not about, there's nothing personal here. This is what he's teaching. It's in the books. He continues. The complete surrender of all, this is a quote, the complete surrender of all possessions is the essence of salvation. Complete surrender. It is, quote, I give up everything. I deny myself. I offer my life both in terms of death, if need be, and in terms of obedience in life. Wait a minute. Did you just hear what I read from him? Death, if need be, and in terms of obedience in life, is this not saying that I have to be willing to be martyred and continue in my life in obedience if I'm going to make it to heaven? That's exactly what he's saying. Is this the true gospel of Scripture? By the way, that's what he calls it, the true gospel of Scripture in his book. 
As MacArthur says it is, how does this line up with the fact that salvation is a gift? Well, it doesn't. Which leads us to our last point, and it is this. Because lordship or discipleship salvation mixes man's works with faith, you cannot be sure you're saved forever. If that's the truth, then you can't be sure you're saved forever. And people, and I don't, I'm not overstating this. I'm telling you the truth. Trust me on this, because I get a lot of emails and a lot of correspondence, and I have talked for hours with people all over the country about this issue. People are losing their minds today because of the confusion of this. How can I measure up? How do I know when I've done enough? How do I know if I've backslidden or I don't have the passion for Christ? Am I really saved? Am I going to go to hell? I'm afraid of hell. I don't want to go there. When can I be sure of heaven? All it does is confuse. And in fact, if people believe it or hold to it, they'll never get saved. They'll live in torture. It's torture. Jesus offers grace and peace and freedom. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage, which is works. Again, let me just quote it, 1 John 5, 13. Compare that with what MacArthur is saying. It says this, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. How sweet that is. Now let me say this. There are many Baptists today who like John Piper's teaching. Even some say that man has a free will, some Baptists, to accept or reject the gospel, but then they say, once you're saved, you're automatically going to live a faithful life for Christ. And if you don't, you were never saved. We've got them here in St. Cloud who teach that. If you're worldly, you're not really saved. By the way, MacArthur does not believe there's any such thing as a carnal Christian. 1 Corinthians says that's exactly what there are. They're not good. To be a Christian and live in the flesh is not a good thing, folks. God doesn't want that, but you can be a child of God and live that way and lose out on the blessings and the joy God wants you to have. So the basis, based on lordship salvation, the basis of your salvation becomes whether you are living a godly life or not. That is the bottom line if you believe in lordship salvation. And if you're not living a godly life, they'll say this, you ought to question whether you're saved or not. Or they'll say, you're not saved. Our last subpoints: lordship salvation is adding works to faith in Christ, and that is a false gospel. Also, lordship salvation requires things to be saved that God does not. So it is a false gospel. It's an accursed message. This Trojan horse is everywhere today. It is in churches all over the place. Let me say this. I don't say this to offend. I'm just educating you in case you don't already know. Almost all Southern Baptists are Lordship Salvation to some extent. Did you know that? You might say, well, I, I, no, I heard this one, that one. He's East Southern Baptist. How often do you listen? Now, let me tell you something. To be a Southern Baptist, you need to hold to a certain statement of faith. Go to their website and see if it's clear on the gospel or not. It's not. It's messed up. It's lordship salvation. That's the official statement of faith of the Southern Baptist Convention. I've got no ax to grind with Southern Baptists. I know some. Some of them are wonderful people. And some are in it and don't believe. That's why I said most. But most do. Most do. 
Almost all of those you hear on the radio are at times, if not always, lordship salvation. Almost all. Not all, but almost all. You'll hear them from time to time. If you're living this way, you're not a Christian. You need to really get saved. Or if you're doing this, you know, you need to check whether you're a believer or, or not. Friend, once you're saved, you still have a sin nature. It's nothing to be proud of. By the way, John MacArthur doesn't believe that either. He does not believe in the two natures of the believer. And I can give you the quotes on that. See, here's the bottom line. Do we really believe the Bible? I told you we close with Romans 6.23. Let's do that now. Look what it says. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is not living a godly life. Doesn't pay for your sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you're here today or watching and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ alone as your Savior, you have no hope of heaven outside of him. I urge you to trust in him alone to save you. He will do it. You need to understand you are helplessly, hopelessly lost. You need to quit trying. You need to trust in him. The moment you do, he'll give you everlasting life. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.